0: You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Whiskey and Words. Uh, I'm David Olson, and this time I'm joined by actress and writer, Ellie Pascal. Hi,
1: Ellie. Hi.
0: So Ellie's here today so we can talk about the writing that you're doing, the writing that you've done, as well as uh, the projects that you're working on, a bit about your acting as well, and how that inspires and uh, influences your writing and, and the creation that you do. Mm. So, also we've got a drink to go along with it today, which today is the Glenmore uh, it's a Speyside Portcast finish, which is a really nice, really uh, sort of mellow whiskey, so it's not too powerful if we don't need it be, mm. but the writing, I'm sure, will be. Nice. So, welcome, Ellie.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: So, I mean, first of all, I wanted to, we've... Known each other a little while now mm-hmm. for the writing group that I've I've mentioned in, in previous episodes, mm-hmm. um, but I only discovered recently, due to some research, how extensive your acting was, yeah. and then because of that, where the, the writing has come from since. Mm-hmm. So I, I, your stage, film, television, uh, all that kind of stuff, as well as now working on a novel and, and various things as well. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? I mean, would, do you? Was it sort of a thing that you were writing before acting, or has it come since then, or how did that work out for you?
1: So I wanted to be an author before I wanted to be an actress. And then I became an actress as a child. And I suppose I've always written, but as we've talked about this week, what's really spurred my writing and probably rekindled about six years ago is a personal challenge, a personal journey that I've been on with a condition which we call post-traumatic stress disorder and when that started to manifest in my life I had no idea what it was but I knew something challenging and amazing was happening in terms of the roads it was leading me down and I got so inspired so that was really when my novel was born and literally I woke up one morning and it was and it was there This. Burning, rekindled flame to write again in absolute earnest, and that has been going ever since alongside my acting.
0: It's amazing that something that a lot of people would see as a a real challenge actually works to inspire you to do something even greater, which is is pretty impressive. And was that something that at the time were you aware uh, of what that was, or did it take a while? I know that you've mentioned before that you've explored it through writing and through the work that you've mm-hmm. done, but was it something that you appreciated at the time how life-changing that could be?
1: I think the fact that I was writing about it shows that I did know, but what I will say is that the whole journey has been one of going in and out of the awareness of the amazing ways that I was changing inside and that my external life was changing and the challenges that went with it. And it's, it's never been one or the other.
0: I think that is it is something where you learn that as you go, I suppose, and something that is as personal as that. You can't really, it's harder to look to others for lessons on how to deal with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will try and tell you what to do in those situations, but mm-hmm. it's such a personal thing that how can they really give you an answer yeah. to you know a question yeah. which they've not heard, they don't know.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, again, as we've discussed, This is why I feel so inspired to tell this story that I've been on because for the most part, doctors, as wonderful as they are in this part of the world, they just don't know what to do with post-traumatic stress disorder. You get a label, this is what it is, and that's supposed to almost be the end of it. And I am just in my character to be quite a fighter, so it never even occurred to me to just accept that. And so I've been on this... uh, journey to places and to experience relationships with people and literally geographical places like I went to Thailand and I spent time in Oxford and learned so much about myself which I never ever 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 would have done if I had just continued on the road I'd been on with like apparent perfect health and a blossoming career why would I ever have taken these other routes which have led to so much more like so much more than... The path that I was on before.
0: It, it's something that's hard for people to understand, isn't it? People don't know, and people would see that. I know that we'll come along to that when we get to the things you have to read for us today. But the idea that people don't see how anybody, if, if they have what is perceived to be a great setup, you know, a career, or whatever, whatever they're doing, that to suddenly have a, um, whatever you want to call it, a, a condition or, or a, some kind of personal struggle, people don't always see why that is. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what can lead to a lot of stigma to it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that you're right when it comes to sort of Western medicine, to put it that way, you kind of see this thing and it's like, oh, well, how do we deal with a thing which is an entirely personal thing? Yeah. Hard to do. But anyway, I, I think that it's amazing that you choose to speak about it in the way that you do because it's something which it can help a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that if, if writing can be used to help people, then that's the best kind of way, isn't it? Mm. And I know that you've got a, a project on the go as well, the... Uh, mini movies to inspire and promote well being. Yeah, that you're writing them, producing them, and, and sort of starring in as well as when you're able. Which mm-hmm. is, can you tell me a bit more about that? Because that sounds like it's quite a cool thing to get involved with.
1: Okay, so again, this is something which I woke up one morning and it was just there. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is what this is what I'm doing next. Um, I'm so excited by the way that social media gives us the capacity now to create something and instantly share it with people, and what this is, is a series of short films that will appear on social media and it's a similar kind of story as the novel but I think it's much more immediate in the way, in this in the idea of uh, telling the story because the, the way that it tells it is so much quicker. Obviously we've got these short little bursts uh, we find a young woman who uh, is just desperate for some more balance and more happiness in her life and despite the fact that she kinda thinks it's um, bullshit signs up to a well-being course because she's desperate and um, each week on the course she gets an assignment, something to do and each episode documents her attempt, or whether successful or not, at this assignment. So sometimes it's kind of ridiculous what we see her doing, she's so desperate. Sometimes it's kind of touching, and um, for me it was such a light bulb moment because the way I use social media is that I go on there to be inspired, so I follow people who are posting uh, uplifting stuff for the most part, or just funny stuff. And I do my fair bit of that too, like sharing inspirational quotes and, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, uh, but, but then when I had this idea like, oh, I'm going to do this with film, it, it was just so absolutely it that now the project is happening and it sort of, it grew its own legs before I'd even known for sure it was happening because when I started talking to people, they wanted to become involved as well. And then I... Um, so now there's all kinds of people and... Yeah, watch
0: this space. I think that's amazing, because you're, like, you're right, with social media now, it's, everyone is involved with it somehow, everyone uses it somehow, and it's an incredible platform to sort of put out things in the immediacy, mm-hmm. things that you sort of take in straight away. And the fact that you're doing it with, with short sort of, is it 60 seconds? There or will definitely be a 60
1: second version because of Instagram. Mm-hmm. It has to be that short. But I will not be surprised if once I get into the cutting room, I'm like, well, maybe we'll have a version that's two minutes as well. Because, <laughs> you know, um, I, you know I, I, I see the screenplay for the first one and I'm like, well, it might fit into 60 seconds. <laughs> or
0: So we'll, see. we'll that's, see. I think that sort of that bite-sized kind of yeah. information, it's really great to get an to people. And if it carries a message as well, yeah. something uh, sort of positive positive lifting, yeah, then you can't, you can't argue with that. That's the best way of doing it, isn't it? So. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So today you've got a couple different things that you wanted to share with us, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, having heard your writing before, I know that you have a particular kind of style and a particular kind of voice, which I think comes through, regardless of what it is you're writing, I can, I can kind of feel it. I always really enjoy it for that reason. So I can kind of, if I hear you reading, I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay, okay, this, this feels like Ellie's writing, and I, I like that a lot. And then you've got a, a monologue, yeah. and then you've got excerpts from the, the novel that you're working on, is that right? Yes. yes Fantastic. Yes, yes. Um, and I know that uh, the great thing with having you here, and you being an actress as well, is that I know that performance is something that you can just do. Uh, which is exciting for, for me, because I'm just going to listen, of course. <laughs> um, I didn't know whether uh, you wanted to start with a monologue now. Or perhaps have a drink first?
1: Let's start with the uh, drinks. Start with the drink.
0: With See the what drink. that's like. <laughs> cool, yes. This is a Glenmore. Mm-hmm. This is really nice. There we are. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Ha. Huh. <laughs>
0: It's got a sweetness to it, doesn't it? It's it totally
1: got... has a sweetness after about a second or two. Mm.
0: And it doesn't have that kind of fire that you get from different whiskies. It's mm. really just mellow, and you can just drink, probably drink too much of it if you wanted to. Mm. But
1: yeah, you may be converting me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here we are. Sorry. Yeah, this this is, this was the first whiskey bought for me, after I'd been to the uh, the whiskey experience in Edinburgh, mm. and so have seeing how it was all done, and thought I have to get into this as a thing. Ah. Um, so it was a gift from my wife. Shout out to her.
1: Oh, so. uh, there's a whiskey experience?
0: There is, and you have to ride around in a barrel, and it tells you all about how the um, whiskey is made and about where it all comes from and things. Really cool. Yeah. If you're ever there, I recommend it. Even if you don't like whiskey, it's quite a cool sort of uh, informative kind of... It's like the in the Yorvik Viking Centre, when you ride through that sort of old Viking place. It's kind of like that, but for distilling whiskey.
1: Right. All right. Viking whiskey, normal whiskey.
0: Uh, normal whiskey, but I, f- I imagine Viking whiskey is a thing. Could be quite good. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. So, your the monologue that you have here mm-hmm. is that is this a standalone piece that you've written? Mm. Okay. Nice.
1: So, it is a standalone piece. Of, uh, standalone piece I've written, and the reason that I'm putting it at the beginning of the excerpts of the novel is that. Um, to my mind, the, th- the the four bits together create this story arc or significant pieces of the story arc of the journey that I have been on. Um, yeah, the, I don't even know how many years it's been. Five years, eight years, something like that. Nine years, something. But yeah, they, they are creating a semblance of this story arc. So it stands alone, but I am sure the listeners will links. This is a monologue called Waking Dream. I had a totally nice life. Lovely job at the zoo. Beautiful boyfriend and nice flat and like I I live in the best city in England and it's one of the cheapest. But one day, my body just changed in how it felt. Like there was gravity in my face and inside. And I had to move slow. So obviously, I tried to work out what I'd done wrong to make that happen. And I had blood tests and brain scans and everything, but nothing it, it, I just I just had to go slower and slower. and I was going mad with it until one day I just it just came to me. I'm sad. so. Then it was, well, what is wrong in my life to make me sad? But all was well. I had a great job and lovely, flat, nice boyfriend. But still, I was getting slower and slower. Until, finally, I accepted. Right, there's nothing wrong in my outside world, so I've not done nothing wrong there. And there's nothing wrong in my body, nothing that they can find. So I've not done nothing wrong there, but I still feel this way. And that's when I realised it wasn't my fault. And that's when I let myself lie down. And when I realised I'd wanted to do that for years. And that's when things started to happen. A journey I never could have planned because people don't talk about journeys like this. And then, a few days into lying down, I had this waking dream with a woman in it. She was kind of shiny. And what she said shook me so that I swear even the inside strands of my stomach moved. She said, if a poll were given to the entire world and they were asked does a good person follow the path of least resistance or the path of most resistance far and away the majority would say the path of most resistance cause in this world that's how you compare yourself with others showing how hard you pushed and how much you did and how exhausted you were and still kept producing but she said Life doesn't have to be about pushing, there is another way. And when I came out of that dream, I knew that lying down was me taking the path of least resistance for probably the first time since I was a kid, doing what felt good, what felt right in my body. And then, basically, the only option became to stay lying down because I felt like stone. And resting, it turned out, meant that I was still enough to see what caused the stone feeling. My attention was like a prism split in light. And within this leadenness was a rainbow of emotions and impulses, ones I never knew I had, need for this and anger about that all numbed out beneath the stone which it turns out I'd put there as a block so as not to feel like a dam holding back 10,000 years worth of water and now the dam needed to break and simply I was to be still and supported enough so that when it did break I would stay intact. And then, after months of feelings so strong, I could not leave the house and I could not let my mum in my room, I started to know it's all right. It's all right. It's so all right. Because this is a gift. This stillness is the beginning of that other way of living. The one without the pushing. Which i craved forever. And I knew. More will come from getting on this path of what feels right in my body. Than ever could have come from pushing along that path of most resistance. And what's coming? Oh, what's coming? (laughs) I mean, what is coming is going to be miraculous.
0: I love that. I love that because it just, it addresses a lot of the things that I think people worry about and they concern themselves with without realizing that you don't have as much control as you might think. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a line in there about that's how you compare yourself with others. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is that it addresses the fact that people live in a world where they're constantly marking themselves against other people mm-hmm. and not just about what they need to do, what mm-hmm. they should be doing. I think that it, you've, you address that very nicely. I think that it's it does hit that moment of, well, that's what we shouldn't be doing. That we shouldn't be using other people as our benchmark, should we, for anything else? Um, but yeah, that is, is a lovely monologue, beautifully written, Thank beautifully you. read. Thank, Thank you. Um, it did, it did lead me on to a question though, mm. which was that idea of, uh, the most resistance, the path of least resistance, the most resistance—that comparison. Yeah. When you apply it specifically to writing, yeah. which I know is not quite what you're getting at in the monologue, mm. but if you take it away from that and put it into that, there's this idea that people will sort of—you can write what you write because you're good at that and that's what you do. Mm. Or there's you challenge yourself by mm. writing something that's outside of what you do. You know, mm. I've said in, in a previous episode that I—I I just don't really write poetry. I can't mm. really do it. It's something that I'm not. I just can't find my way with. Mm. But is that the kind of thing where? Should we, especially as writers, Mm. should we work to challenge ourselves with that Mm. and take that sort of, that more resistant path? Mm. Or do you think we produce better work if we simply stick with the thing that we know we're good at and the thing that we can do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this question. And I speak only for myself in this. But what I would say my experience is that it's awesome to step outside of one's comfort zone if it feels fun and my experience is that something can feel fun one day and not feel fun another and this is why for me um, this journey has been so much about getting genuinely in touch It's just getting to know myself like for real and separating what I think myself and my desires and what I want to write, what I want to create, what I should be creating in inverted commas that people can't see, um, compared to what I think other people think I should write and create. And that deciphering and unentangling of all of that have allowed me to know the difference between wanting to write something because it genuinely feels fun uh, to me and it might feel expansive and new but in an amazing like exhilarating way as opposed to that feeling of (laughs) I really think that I would probably respect myself more if I was to challenge myself in this way. And to me, that comes from much more of a kind of cerebral intellectual place, which I used to spend my whole life living in. And let me be frank about this. That served me really well for a long time. I don't know why this has all changed in my life. I don't know what it's happened. I just know that it has, yeah. and it, and I know that for some people it is perfect for them to um, be in that space of just of, of doing what they think to be right, and then there's other people that it might work for them to live or to start living more from that place of. Uh, I think I need to try something new and maybe it's more about me just going like, what would feel fun today? Um, Which I think in this world can look quite radical. But my experience now has been, and when I look back, has always been that I make the best work when it feels the easiest, when it just comes out of me and I don't even think about it. And and later on, my head can say something like, what about that piece that I wrote and it's like sitting in my Google documents and I wrote it six months ago, but it probably isn't very good because it came out and it wasn't hard. And then I'll go back and read it and be like, "Whoa, <laughs> I didn't really do more of this like writing that feels like falling off a log." More, however, one can engineer that to happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Is that is the expectation of this is what I should be doing? And I think that that's just it's so pervasive in in people's work and their personal life and whatever else they're doing. There's this idea that you should be doing a certain thing when actually what your your monologue there sort of, uh, sums up quite nicely is you should do the thing that feels right. You should do the thing which makes you feel like you're on the right path for whatever it is you're doing. And I just, yeah, as a message, I just, I like that a lot.
1: Thank you, so, so Thank,
0: Thank you. you. One other question I have, and this is from uh, the realization that as a professional actress for a number of years, you will have starred in a number of different types of things. Yeah. Um, but also you're a writer as well and it's where you get you get a script for whatever you're working on how tempting can it be to change certain bits yeah. or to see a line and think yeah, it maybe better if I said it this way I'll just change it is that, is that sensation that you have to fight with or do you just push that away
1: okay so one of my first jobs I just remember being on set and the actress I was working with who was probably three or four decades older than me, saying, darling, darling, she's like, darling, you just, you have to rewrite it, like, you just have to rewrite it, because they just don't do it right, they just don't do it. And that has never been my way. I think perhaps to a degree, to my detriment in the past, I wasn't solid enough in my uh, respect for my own thoughts and instincts to go, I don't actually think that scans as well as it could. I think there's always a balance to be made because at the end of the day, my opinion's only my opinion and the writers are very good writers and they're doing, you know, I'm sitting in front of this work that somebody else has written because they've got that job,
0: right?
1: So it's always a balancing act. I've been very lucky and the two jobs I've done this year have both been independent films and they've both been films written by the director. So I had the deep luxury of being able to converse with the writer in the rehearsal process leading up to the shoot. Um, and that's gorgeous because then you get to, both you find a middle ground together. Yeah. So I guess what I, my answer is, yes it's tempting, sometimes it's not appropriate, sometimes I could probably do with being a little bit more sure about actually I think this and might be a good idea, although I think I'm better at that now. Um, but it's always about balance, it's always about balance and mutual respect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you ever encounter anyone who's particularly precious about their scripts?
1: Mm. Not yet.
0: No? You've not no. worked with me then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Dave, not in that capacity.
0: Knowing that you act and knowing that you you you've been on TV, you've been on stage, you've done you've done a lot of independent film you mentioned as well. You've done a lot of different things like mm. that. Then to know that you can still put this work in, how tempting is it to to write more film pieces. In that way that you mentioned, the idea that independent film, oftentimes the director is the writer.
1: Yeah.
0: Have you thought about, apart from the mini-movies that you're doing anyway, yeah. have you thought about sort of longer form getting yeah. into that as well as your prose?
1: Yeah, I feel so when you say a longer form, you mean um, in, um, feature film? Yeah,
0: or any kind of short or feature. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it feels to me the this series of shorts will lead on to something else. So we will see, but I certainly, I I adore um, acting in television drama, and I don't watch very much of it, but I watch movies, and so now that I am writing my own, it feels so obvious, like so obvious. I remember my dad asking me, maybe even when I was a kid, like, well, why don't you want to be a director? Like, and back then I just didn't really and now I I sort of wonder if he saw something in me that I didn't see but now I do that um, movies just make me so happy for me watching a film can be almost a spiritual experience or like a healing experience in the sense that it's one thing that I know sometimes I can go to if I'm not feeling great and it can lift me out of that I think all art has the capacity to do that movies it's just for me what does it there's something about that decent window of time i just find the magic i just find that it's such to me it's just such a magical scope and and i often leave the cinema or leave the room having watched a film feeling renewed like complete like my mental state has just been completely shifted and i'm like you know just reminded life is so beautiful there are so many inspiring things in life It's so exciting to be in the world. and so I, I am and now like as I take the practice shots for my mini movies, I'm just I can't believe how fun it is and I, I know that it's right because it doesn't it, it feels challenging but in an amazing way. Like I'll practice filming, whether I'm taking specific practice shots in order to create my um, storyboard. Um, for the first film or whether I'm just playing around with something because I'm taking a walk and there's something that looks beautiful and I think oh I'm just going to get out my iPhone and have a go at capturing that and see what kind of shot works best, what kind of panning works best with that, how I can capture the light and I just sometimes I can't sleep because I'm so excited about this and that's why I know it's bright, Um and that's why I do think it will probably become bigger yeah,
0: yeah. I think you're right. I think creativity takes people out of things, doesn't it? It takes you out of the world that you're you're in and puts you somewhere else, whether that's a film, whether it's a book, whether it's whatever. If it allows you to sort of immerse yourself in that other world for a while and take you away from what you normally know, then it has the ability to sort of change your perspective on things and to sort of kind of reset your balance, I guess, in a way. Uh, not every movie perhaps, not every book perhaps, but a lot of them, I would say, have that ability for for people, for anybody. Yeah. On that, I know that you are working on a novel that I've had the pleasure of hearing parts of before, although I'm sure they've changed now Mm -hmm. over time, as they always do. Um, I know you've got uh, three excerpts of that today as well, and I wondered if you'd be okay reading that first excerpt for us. Okay.
1: So, (laughs) This is the first excerpt from my novel, working title, The Magical Relaxing of Tabby B. And at this part of the book, we're quite early on, and we find Tabby, who is our protagonist, and she's got a lot of uh, inner turmoil right now, and she's really trying to ignore it. She's trying to ignore it. And what we see here is that it is starting to manifest in her dreams and, and now to affect her relationship too. And then one night, it's the night of gasp, awake, set up in bed again five thousand and fifty-six millionth time this month I'd been dreaming looking at a globe in a grand dimly lit space a globe with a lighting brown papery finish ancient smell the dream had played out like an old film with me returning over and over to this glowing orb in the vast, quietly carpeted lobby. There I was, holding this ancient planet and knowing I was ancient now too and turning my crinkly old neck to see a wall with dozens and dozens of photos of Families, birthdays, Christmases. I knew now was nearly my end and with the retrospect of a 100-year-old woman finally felt it. Grief. Bottomless and gushing. So I'd woken myself desperately from the dream, agonised because... There was this model of the most amazing thing ever known by anyone, Earth. And knowing I'd been on it, but not really there somehow. And I'd missed my life. Gasp, tight chest, twitching legs. Mark, now awake too. Envelops me with his arms and blows at the beads on my temple. What is it, baby? Yeah. Tears are streaming down my face and sobs are gagging me as I hold them in, till I finally release in a long, shuddery breath. Why are you crying? It. <sighs> dream. It's okay. Shh, no. No! I shirk him off, brush at my legs to move away why are you so upset because because sobbing again one day i will be old and i don't want to have missed missed it what i don't it what my life baby you're not missing it you're right here i am you don't understand My feet are kicking at the sheet like an agonized toddler's. He sits back on the pillow. So do I. The bedroom wall cold against my bare arm. Somehow we fall asleep.
0: Thank you. I think for me in this, in this part anyway, I really like how it it kind of examines the idea of a limited span. The idea that everyone's got a sort of finite time, and how do you, how do you measure that? How do you quantify someone's life? And, and at what point do you consider that something has been missed or lost or anything else? I think that the way you sort of confront it so directly in this, and this is sort of the, the character's overriding concern right now, is I'm going to be old and I'm not going to achieve things or whatever. Do you think that approaching it and sort of and hitting it sort of so sort of head on like this? is a way to to help other people kind of appreciate what they've done and to sort of accept that the only person keeping score is them and there's no one else kind of measuring what they do.
1: Mm -hmm. I love what you said about the limited span and feeling of not having achieved what one might would have wanted to achieve, one might have wanted to achieve. And the experience that the character is having here is one of realising that while outwardly sh- there is a lot of achievement in her world and outwardly loads of stuff is in place. She's like on the road that she wanted to be on and ticking boxes and it's She's it's, it's, it's just starting to get in touch of a kind of a sense that even though all of that is in place, there's something massive missing, and she doesn't know what it is yet. So she's just in that place of conscious incompetence, suddenly aware. It seems that there's something new I want, and that's all I know. There's somebody that I love, um, a speaker, she's on YouTube, that I love and she says if there's something that you feel you absolutely have to say there's somebody that absolutely has to hear it and I and I hold that kind of close to my heart because when I write this stuff that's all I know that it feels great to write it and it feels exciting and sometimes it feels I just feel really compelled and I almost see like me 8 or 9 years ago and, and I think I'm very conscious of, of someone who might be like me eight years ago when, when I'm writing a lot of what I write. And how would it speak to them? And, and would it help them? And I know that along my journey... I kind of hate that word, it's, word, it's really cliché, but I can't think of another one to use. People who have walked similar journeys have been lifelines for me. You know that, whether it be a novel, Whether somebody's saying, I went through all this and I'm reading it, going, well, I can relate to that, and the novel comes to a place of resolution and relief and joy, or whether it be um, something more directly like this, like somebody might hear this podcast and be like, wow, you know, someone's come through it. That's not to say that my life is perfect right now, but it's beautiful and I know that it's beautiful in a way that... I don't know if I could really hold a long time ago, and this is what is being experienced here. It's like Tabby's like I am in this life, but sometimes I can't feel it. Like so I can't feel I'm here, and I'm missing it. Like how it, I like intellectually I know my boyfriend is amazing, and my flat is beautiful, and I live in this place. So many people want to live in, but so much of the time I don't appreciate that. Why don't I appreciate it? And I make up that there is lots of people out there that experience this. So, yes, if they were to read this and have hope, awesome.
0: (laughs) No, I'm sure you're right. I mean, (laughs) I like what you said there about the idea of ticking boxes, the idea that for so many people, there are uh, elements of your life and things that you have to achieve to tick the boxes and say, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. That's what a person's meant to do, Mm -hmm. and I have done them. And that... If we can move away from that, if we can take away that sort of requirement on, mm-hmm. you can be happy if you do this and this and this, mm-hmm. that doesn't work for people, that doesn't, It shouldn't have to work for people. Mm-hmm. And yet it's kind of the accepted yeah. life cycle, you yeah. know? Um, and you're right, I think that moving away from that and being mm-hmm. okay with moving away from that yeah. is very important, and it's something which people often won't do unless they hear it from someone else that it's possible, because mm-hmm. they won't want to believe it in themselves they'll want someone else to say, yes, you, you can do that, mm. you can't do that. Which is why it's quite nice, the idea that you're putting this down and you've, you've, you've mm-hmm. produced this work, which hopefully, without overstating anything, of course, would have that effect on somebody else so that they would read it and go, hang on, that's how I feel. Mm. I think that's the, the most powerful art, be it writing, music, anything else. If you can speak to people in that way, where it says, this is a very real thing that can happen and it could be happening to you, you can change it. You can affect it. Mm-hmm. And I like that your character is experiencing that and having that kind of realization because that way the reader can have it along with her, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And with that as well, I don't want to, to to rush into the next section, but I'm eager to hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be okay to read your, your second answer? Yeah.
1: So, okay, so the second bit... Um, So now we find Tabby and um, she has had a surrender at this point, she has accepted that she she needs stuff in her life to change and she has accepted that she needs help for that to happen because she doesn't know how to do it. Um, So she starts to let go and it's when she begins to let go that things start to get magical. and in the morning I don't care what happens next I don't care where I'm going, I just know it's not where I've been and it's not all in my hands because something or someone is with me (sighs) no more breath holding I am here seeing stuff and there's trees and birds and Light, And I know that it sounds cheese on a stick, but it's real. So I find myself doing stuff that I haven't done for 20 years. I'm wading in the woods and climbing trees and (laughs) eating cherries and spitting the pips. And my body feels like it's made of rubber. Of course, says a voice behind me. Swing round, ninja-like, to confront my follower. But there's no one there. Not on the path, or in the other direction. No one. Except, that is, for a small, furry, possum? (laughs) Standing just a meter from my feet, eating. A snickers I know I know he continues with the broadest cockney accent ever e-numbers are bad for me but whatever they do to these nuts to turn them into this delightful fattening little be-packeted tree well I'd swap all the insects on earth for another he smiles an amazingly gappy chocolate-covered grin and I am filled with that bath-like warmth again. Know where you are, do you? Where you're going? Um, well, I start to laugh. Snickers finished, he has proceeded to scratch his bum and rub his nose simultaneously. Um, (laughs) I know I'm on Hampstead Heath. Oh, okay. He droops turns back towards the trees. What do you mean, where I'm going? I project. I I am in some sort of a different um, direction than I used to be, if that means anything to you. Darling, he turns back to face me, glint in his eye. You're conversing with a talking possum. What do you mean, if that means anything to me? I am the new direction, baby. So if you're on your new kind of a way, then I am at your service.
0: Thank you. I love the switch in the section from sort of self-exploration to this kind of fantastical realism. Uh, So was there ever a version of the story that didn't take that kind of otherworldly slant? Or or was it always a plan to have a talking possum in there? Mm,
1: Good question. The talking possum was not always there. But um, I think at the beginning, I I went between, I was asking myself, is this going to have magic in it, or am I simply going to tell the story? And and I think um, quite quickly, I decided it would be magical. But as cuz i started writing this at the beginning of all of this so then my journey continued and i was still writing the book like in thailand and in oxford and and so and there was a point when i was in oxford when i was getting a lot of support that it was so magical what i was experiencing like it was real life obviously like it's real but what I was experiencing which was um, a particular kind of treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder which it's not the NHS doesn't do it but it has obviously come over to England now and it, it's in Arizona in the States and as far as I remember it, it's, it's roots find their um, it finds its roots in treatments from other parts of the world not the West But it it was so magical, even though, yeah, that I was like, maybe I just write it as it is and I don't bring magic in and I just literally tell what's happened because I was so astounded by what was happening and what I was doing, what I was experiencing and discovering about myself and the world, that... and just what it is to be human. Yeah, so there was a point then when I really wondered, will I just tell the story without the magic? But um, I go with the flow and... At the moment, it's definitely magic. There's definitely magic in
0: there. Um... No, I'm glad. I'm glad you've gone with the magic. I think that I think that you, you're you right in that if a situation that you're in has that sort of almost magical feeling to it, that could be a very personal thing. And just telling that to somebody else might not give them that same experience. Mm. And whereas you know full well that that's how it felt, mm. it might not be as easy to put that across to somebody. Yeah. So instead, introduce something which everyone can understand which is talking possums aren't normal right so it must be something a little bit different (laughs) and i think that it's nice because i think that there's a a tendency with with books if you're trying to tell a trying to tell a story you can say whatever you want if you're trying to tell a story and also help people to an extent there's a fine line between it being a novel or Mm -hmm. or whatever and being and although i hate the phrase self-help you know I, i hate that phrase but it's that's true. You're either telling a story which is designed to help people and then it kind of falls into that category whether you want it to or not or you tell a story which has the ability to help people but it's also very clearly a, a work of fiction mostly. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's you've got that, yeah. that real true core to it but it's still a fiction it tale. It is fiction, yeah. And I think that that's, that's why I like that you've gone that way with it. Yeah. Because it does have that ability to do both. It can entertain for those who don't need any help or don't think they do, mm. and it will provide that assistance for those who feel they need it. Mm. In. Yeah, which yeah. is really nice. I think that as well. The I, I'm always a fan of you know talking creatures. That's always fun. It harks back to uh, Lionel, <laughs> which in the wardrobe and Alice, and Mr. Tumnus and those kind there of things. Is a badger too. I do love I do love badgers, <laughs> as you know. I do love a badger. Uh, does he talk? Yes. Fantastic. Okay, I'm reading it. I'll buy it. Yep, yep, yep. I'll take a copy right now. Thank yep,
1: you.
0: Yep, yep. I think that that's, it's, it's a lovely story. I know you've got one bit to read for as well. Um, I really look forward to, to hearing the finished product. Is it, is, it, is it far off being done or are you kind of... Being, I have no
1: idea. No? I really have no idea. Um, uh, I have big, like a lot of it written down, like done. And I have a lot of it in notes and I have a lot of it in my head. And um, what I know is it's evolving all the time and that um, I never know when I'm gonna get a burst and loads of it's gonna come out and I never know when it's gonna be time to let it sit for a while and like marinate and then I come back to it. So I don't know, it could be done in six months. It could be done in two months. It it might be five years, so we'll see.
0: I smell a series here, Right.
1: I actually don't know if this is one book or three.
0: Yeah. The continuing adventure of Tabby B. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: we'll see. We'll see. And on
0: that, you've got one more section for I us. Do, is that right? I do. I do. I do. Would you be yes. able to share when that was?
1: Yes, please. So um, this is this section describes Tabby's experience um, mm-hmm. right towards the end of her journey. So now twists and turns beyond my wildest dreams later.
0: I am here.
1: Imagine having superpowers for appreciating life. Since I learned to walk this road I thought was forbidden, that's how it is for me, hurtling into the present, like dropping super speed through clouds and landing in flowers. Since I fell between the stitches of reality's fabric, I can play with it all I want. And this is freedom beyond imaginings. When you know what I know and have seen what I've seen, Life can be nothing other than breath pumping. And let's be clear about this. Anyone can see what I've seen and know what I know, given the right adventure.
0: I absolutely adore the sort of explosion of positivity and kindness at the end of this. So this—I mean—we covered this is a a, a tale of of discovery and growth. Mm. Was the intention always to finish that way? Were there other versions where you—and again, I'm cautious saying this because I know that it's a—it's yeah. There's a personal element to this tale. But were there other versions where there were sort of any darker themes or perhaps even more sort of magical ones? Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, It's always had a positive ending.
0: Good to hear.
1: And I remember, so 2012, when I was living in London and writing my book, and at that point, I thought where I was then was the end of the book. And I felt great about it, and at times, I was really challenged. And I think that's the lesson that I have taken from the past, you know, eight years. It's that... So much is about my perception and life is never going to be what my mind could call always beautiful or always difficult, or at least that's not been my experience. It's an amazing myriad of this and that and this and that, but for whatever reason, I've mostly felt positive about it, and I think maybe that's why it's always been this book is a message of hope.
0: Yeah, I think so. And that's great to hear, because I think that that's one thing throughout it. Even in the parts that I've heard where there are some more challenges or there are some more uh, personal struggles, there's always, at, at its heart, there's this idea that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You don't say explicitly, this is going to be all the okay, but you kind of feel like that's a, a real possibility mm-hmm. from the beginning. And I like that, because so many stories will take you on on treading up and down and whatever else. But at any point you think, oh, this all could go terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that with this story, I, I kind of feel that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to see how it plays out, but we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's, it's refreshing because it's very, you know, it's very in, in writing, I think, to give it this, this dangerous slant or whatever. Whereas this is just, this is a nice story, which is a hard road for someone to walk. But in the end, they achieve the thing that we all want to achieve. Thing without you know giving away the ending of your book or whatever but I think that's kind of the idea right yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's great. I think that that's something people need to hear and mm-hmm. people need to, to experience a little bit more mm-hmm. as well. Yeah
1: yeah I hope yeah.
0: So with that as well I know that obviously this is a novel and you've got monologues and things that you have written for performance and the rest mm-hmm. as well. are there are there other works on the cards now anything else that you're working on on the side apart from obviously the movies and things that we've mentioned before yeah. any other writings that you're currently going through now?
1: me think. Um, I'm always surprised by how much I'm writing and doing this podcast with you has been lovely because I went back through all of my files to pick out what I would read and found lots of things. So I'm kind of always writing and I, I can't help it. Uh, it's just what comes out. I would say my biggest project, which we haven't talked about, uh, is is, um, is the fact that I'm now also teaching mindfulness and this ties in with what you just asked and what you, some of what you just said because that feeling that it's all okay is something which I have um, learnt to nourish through my practicing of mindfulness which is why I'm so um, excited and honored and passionate about teaching it to other people now because these tools that I have gathered um, are amazing and they're ones which if a person is drawn to them will serve them and anybody can pick up and um, scientists approving are as um, effective as like opiates and this has been my experience. Mindfulness is not the only tool that I've had on this journey but it has been the most consistent one and it's the one that I am at the moment most excited about. So I'm very excited that my teaching practice is growing and that I am bringing it together with the acting, the writing, the filmmaking, with the, um, with the mini movies, sometimes the assignments that Poppy, oh, I don't know, I've, I, I don't think I ever said what it's called. The mini movies are called Poppy's Way. Um, and yeah, sometimes her assignments will be working with mindfulness tools. So again, it's this thing, I just, I'm just, i just sharing what works for me. And I'm so excited. And I do that now already, like I'm doing it. I do it with Twitter, I do it with my Instagram. And the other day I put um, a contact button on my Instagram. And I've been so touched by the correspondence that I've had. And this mirrors the correspondence that I had, um, have had when I've been on television, which is often young women, teenagers getting in touch with me, relating to back then it was the storylines that my characters were um showing and now it's it's people asking me actually about the stuff I'm posting that are more about my life and the and what I'm teaching coming to me and being like this is helping me and what other advice can you give me and so I'm just so excited and in a way I would almost say that that is the hub of everything that I'm doing when I when I you know, when I film stuff that goes on television or on film, I just want it to help people in whatever way. Whether it be it makes them laugh, or whether it be it just helps them to feel something at the end of the day when they've been sitting in front of a computer for eight hours, um, or whether it be I give them a mindfulness lesson, you know, or I teach them for years. Like, whatever it is, that's the nub of what I'm doing now, and my heart just keeps saying, like, just share your story. Just share your story, and, and everything else is going to fall in around that.
0: And I'm seeing that happen, and, um... yeah. <laughs> I think that's, in the time that we've known each other, I think that I've seen that you have that ability to, to brighten people's moods, brighten up their outlooks. And you do that in a way which isn't ever, I want you to take this the right way, because people who can be particularly positive can be a little bit they can be sweet, oh, yeah. a little bit kind, and I honestly don't think you have ever come across that way in what you do. And I think that seeing you sort of put that effort and that sort of, that drive into things that have a a greater purpose, because we all want to write to entertain people. We all want to create, to to showcase what we can do and to sort of share that enjoyment with other people. But I think that specifically looking at creating works solely to help people understand what will make them happier, what will make them feel more fulfilled is an incredible uh, sort of, path to put yourself on to go over there thank you (laughs) so I want to say a huge thank you to Ms. Ellie Pascal today Mm. for being on the show Uh, you can find Ellie on Twitter and on Instagram where she'll share mindfulness as well as links to her work and things as well as well as elliepascal.com where there'll be links to other elements of Ellie's work as well as that Uh, but thank you so much for being here today
1: thank you and thank you for the whiskey it's been an enlightening experience
0: more next time definitely (laughs) And don't forget, uh, Puppy's Way mini-movies to inspire and promote well-being are also online. So do check those out because they hopefully will bring you the kind of joy that everyone kind of needs. Mm -hmm. So thanks very much, and we'll see you next time.